what would convince the world to believe in God? I once asked an atheist the question, what would convince you to believe in God? And he answered, until God appears before me as a burning bush, or I see his picture on the front of a popular science magazine, I will remain a non-believer. It strikes me that those two kinds of evidence represent the two kinds of ways that the world looks for God. We either want the miracle encounter, or we want the rational proof. Both would be preferable, but usually people lean towards one kind of evidence or the other. Some of us say, look, it doesn't need to make sense to me, but if God just showed up in some awesome wonder, or if he just demonstrated his supernatural powers in some out-of-this-world miracle, that would do it for me. Others say, look, I don't need a burning bush. Just show me the equations. Take me through the logical arguments. Give me the scientific proof. Demonstrate that it's reasonable. Then I'll believe. As Paul wrote to Christians in Corinth, he recognized these two kinds of people. He identified the power people with the Jews and the wisdom people with the Greeks. This makes sense, doesn't it? The, the Jews were a, were a people with whom God had been very hands-on. They were a people to whom God had shown up in mighty acts. And so they were a people that came to expect, they came to expect miraculous signs. On the other hand, the Greeks had been left to piece things together from a distance. They were used to trusting their own minds to reveal the truth. Therefore, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, uh, he says, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. Notice that both the power people, the Jews, and the wisdom people, the Greeks, are making demands of God. They are saying to God, these are the terms by which I would be prepared to do business with you. Yet Paul says that God is in the business of frustrating every such demand. He goes on, verse 23, I don't care if Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, that's my interpretation. But verse 23 says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Greeks. Here is the way that God shows up. In a world full of power lovers and wisdom seekers, he shows up on a cross. It's not the way that anyone expected. And it's not really the way that anyone wants. In fact, it is scandalous to the world. The word stumbling block is a translation of the Greek word scandalon. And it's something that causes you to trip up, to stumble over. But this is how God wants it. For people looking up in the, in the heavens for some kind of sign, God wants a big rock laid in their path so that they stumble and fall. For a people looking down into their microscopes or fine-tuning their logical arguments, he confronts them, not with something obviously wiser, but with something blatantly foolish. The miracle lover is given weakness, a bloodied corpse on the cross. A wisdom seeker is given foolishness, a God who dies. It is precisely what they did not want, and yet it is just what God once preached. Therefore, those who preach Christ should be prepared to be scorned as the most frustrating, bemusing, scandalous, pathetic God peddlers imaginable. Christian preachers simply do not give people what they want. They are forever laying before the world a giant stumbling block. But in the next verse, there is a true miracle that can happen. In verse 24, But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God.
Here is the greatest miracle imaginable. Someone can stumble upon the cross and say, my Lord and my God. In amidst this perishing world, someone can see this perishing Lord and say, there is God's power. There is God's wisdom. Because it is powerful. It's immensely powerful. Any old despot can rule over people. What kind of strength does it take to serve beneath them? And you know, any old debater can out-argue somebody else. What kind of wisdom does it take to subvert every term of the discussion and turn the arguments right side up? That's what the cross does. It shows a greater power and a deeper wisdom. Not by agreeing with the world's definitions, but by revolutionizing them. As verse 25 says, The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. There is an incomparable wisdom and strength to the cross. Death defeated through dying. The curse conquered through condemnation. The devil vanquished by losing. The son glorified in shame. It's the wisdom that is not built upon human foundations. Rather, it undermines every human foundation. It's the strength that overpowers by surrender, disarming every show of earthly force. When a person stumbles over the cross and sees it for its true wisdom and power, they are won by a very different God. You see, the living God can never be found by the earthly search for power and wisdom because the living God is not a superhuman He's not like us, just with a few more muscles or brain cells. But our sinful selves would love it if he were. We have a lot invested in thinking of God as some super despot. In many ways, that would suit us just fine, because then we'd be justified in quietly despising and dismissing him. One atheist told me he'd believe in God if God made the stars to spell out the Ten Commandments in the sky. But what a dreadful God that would be. Such a God simply stays at a distance, pulls off some magic tricks that are no good to anyone, and is basically interested in making us behave. If God were like that, we'd have every reason to to despise and run from him. But this is why it is imperative to lay the stumbling block in people's way. We must give people Christ crucified. There on the cross is the living God. The God who does not stay at a distance. The God who does not glorify himself with cheap magic tricks. The God who is not basically concerned with keeping us moral. No, this God draws near. This God stoops and serves and bleeds and dies. And he does it not to enforce our goodness, but to forgive our badness. Never give people what they want when it comes to preaching. Give them Christ crucified. When they stumble over the cross, they'll see a God more wonderful than anything they imagined.